this job was a stretch. It was a stretch in uh, our mind of what was possible that we're using this, our turf for now a truly functional commercial space. Also a stretch that this was a high visibility, high profile job at that point in time. And we're stepping out and saying, let's do it. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Have you bought any new tools Hey, welcome back to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Dale Carmi and Brian Carmi sitting here. Hey, guys. In our studios in Louisville, Ohio. Woo! So, uh, last week, we told you about the tax man. And not the tax man that comes and takes your taxes, but kind of like the tax boogeyman that kind of wipes out your tax recording system. That was a fun story to look back on. It was not a fun story to live. So this week, we're going to talk more, we're kind of going to, we, we started talking about some of the installs, right? And remember, we're going two paths. We've got the Frevlon Inc. path we started on. We have the Frevlon Southwest, which is lo- our local business. There are some amazing stories and amazing lessons to be learned out of our installation stories, right? That's one we always gravitate to because we did so many mm. and and that was our life. So we this story is about a hotel in Santa Fe. Can I say which one? Uh, I can say it, right? It was sure. Radisson. Yeah. It was Radisson in Santa Fe. And, uh, you know, we're going to give you a little bit of backstory on this. So this is 2000 and we think five. this is five, early 2005. And Frevlon is going, but we've always in, in Albuquerque, we've been a residential company, right? Yes. We've done front yards. We've done backyards. The few times we branched out and did something that wasn't a residential property, it was still something that was done for appearance. We did the library at Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. We did um, the Monica Royball area. We did Villa del Este. Villa del Este, Who the one where we fired everybody. The McLeod Commercial Plaza. Oh, yeah. But these weren't necessarily functional spaces for the most part. They were uh, places to make it yeah. make, make the area look nice. Maybe yeah. Monica Royball. Yeah, that wasn't the play area. So anyway, how we how we came upon it, I don't remember. I think it was a lead that came in. I remember going up to Santa Fe and calling on this hotel, the Radisson, and they had this beautiful courtyard area where they liked to do, it was like venues. It yeah. was, they would do weddings. They would hold conference gatherings, what have you, outdoor events. And the area was just, they couldn't keep the grass. It was dirt. Uh, if it rained, which it didn't rain much, but it was mud, it was dust, it was a mess. So we gave him an estimate, but I got to tell you, when I got to that project, I was a little bit um, overwhelmed. It was, it was a big job. It was 4,500 square feet, I believe. It was really bigger than anything we'd done to that point in time. I, I mean, yeah. Ty had done that big playground job down in Florida that we helped them with, but that wasn't ours. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't think there was anything else that size. 
So, you know, this is one of those ones that stretches you, stretches your belief. Can we really do this? How do we sell it? You know, are they going to pay for it? All of this. But as, as the, uh, you know, we, we put together a proposal. I think it was a, what did we figure? A $40,000 project, which was for us. Again, back then that was. It was huge. It was huge. That, I mean. That, that, that stretched our threshold of what was believable. I mean, that was probably close to the combined take home of you and it me was. for the first year. Yeah. Um, granted, this wasn't all profit, but that, those were big numbers for us. I mean, it was it was a huge project. It was somewhat intimidating to take on a project at that time that was that big of a scope for us. Yeah. So uh, it, it kind of became, um, I, I would just say, a, a, one of those monumental, it, it, it's, it's something I look at and say, I remember that job, I remember the project, I remember the impact, remember what it did. So we're going to talk through that a little bit. But, you know, it was challenging because of the size. It wasn't a hard install. It was an open area. I mean, it, it was high visibility because it was for venues. It was for weddings. You want to make sure you do it well and you do it right. Um, I was going through my computer, pulling up some of the the pictures from it. We, I didn't even remember this. We had a, a boom fork on site. Yeah. And I think, I don't know that we rented it. I think it might've been on there, but we used that to move the rolls in. Yep. We moved it to move the pallets of rubber in and things like that. This is all stuff we'd never done before. Yeah. And, and again, as you kind of talked about there, it was kind of an entrance into a new market for us, which was this high traffic landscape area. It was a functional, yeah, functional landscape. And, and when you start to look at that, and, and at the time, I don't think for, we realized For commercial. It, for commercial, for yeah. For commercial setting. But that opens you up to other areas in the country. At the time, right, we, we moved to the Southwest because we thought this we was going to work we in desert climates. We were chasing the drought, essentially. And, and this was kind of, and I don't, I don't even know that we noticed it at the time, but in hindsight, looking at it, it's kind of one of those moments to realize, hey, this isn't limited just to front yards, backyards of people that can't grow grass. There is functionality here for people that want grass, want the look and feel of grass without all the limits, right? Whether we talk about grass without limits, so this was um, this was a kind of a business changing install for us. Yeah, and it was also as we looked at it. Again, I don't want to get too deep into the installs, but we we install the grass and we put infill in it. <clears throat> And with the info, we have these power brooms that are like a, a weed whacker type piece of equipment you hold. And it has a broom head, brush head that's about 18 inches. And we're imagining trying to groom 4,500 square feet with the little power broom. And I guess the the one job we did that would have been bigger than this was the uh, Deming baseball field. Correct. But we hadn't sold that. Right. That was, we installed it, but it wasn't our project. So we're kind of looking at it like, man this could take forever. This little power broom. When we start researching and I, maybe somebody I told Ty us had one down in Florida. Did I, I have Ty one? He had told us one. about yep. it. So there's this power broom. I think it was called the MB. It was. And it had a brush head that's like four foot wide. So it's like two and a half, at least two, maybe two and a half of our little power brooms. It was on wheels. It was and on it was wheels. Yeah. You just, power it down and then drive it back and power it back down. Which I think we have pictures that we either you were going to put out there. Maybe I have in a the picture. show notes or yeah, I think I'm trying to figure out there's this really young guy <laughs> he looked, running the thing. It, I didn't remember Derek have an older brother, <laughs> but he must have. Yeah. That was a good, good looking young chap running that. So, MB. so we, we did a big thing. We decided to invest in this broom and, 
that doesn't sound like a lot, guys. But first of all, you know, power broom back then might have cost three hundred bucks. Yeah, this thing I yeah. think was four thousand dollars. Yep, back in that day, it was the time we didn't have a ton of money. Um, but this was a shift in a mindset for us. So we didn't have trouble investing money into our business. I mean, we we've talked about this a lot. We deprived ourselves. We deprived our families. We didn't have things. We weren't taking this money. We reinvested the money back in the business, but we reinvested in the promoting the business, in the marketing, in the sales, in even people. We were not very good at investing in tools. Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's a good and a, a lesson to learn both ways there, I guess I'll say. So from the good side is I, I've seen some people that want to come in and they think they've got to have all the right tools and all the right equipment and have all the, you know, everything in place before they can go out and sell these projects. Um, and that's not the case. We were always of the mindset, even go back. I think really early on in the podcast, we talked about in our consulting days, we would sell something even before we knew how to do it or had the, the skill set to finish it. And, and we would take these steps and then stretch our ability to fulfill it. And so we would, we would do that. And often in, when we got started, like you said, we would hire people. And instead of buying a piece of equipment, we'd get three workers and yeah. three wheelbarrows, yeah. a few yeah. extra shovels. And those were easily, um, you know, scalable. You can add people, get rid of people, whatever. Um, I, I don't know for whatever reason to us, it was easier to invest in that yeah, than and, it was into equipment. Yeah. And, and don't forget, and uh, this isn't the reason we didn't, this may not be the only reason we didn't buy equipment, but we had a brief picture of what equipment could do for you. We had the dump trailer. Ugh, the dump trailer. We had it for 30 days. The funny thing is that dump trailer revolutionized our lives for 30 days. It did. One guy could drive to the dump and unload it and come back. One guy could drive to the gravel yard, come back and dump it in the yard. Thank you, Steve. Um, but as we told another story, that got stolen. And so out of sheer anger, Spike. because we believed that, our crew, people on our crew had stolen it. We didn't replace that trailer and we went manual labor the rest of the time. So it's like, why get a dump trailer? We could pay you guys to do it. And if we're going to get a dump trailer, that means we don't need to pay you. In hindsight, we tell our guys, we acted like we were punishing them, but in the end, we, we were ourselves. paying them more yeah. because we weren't buying the equipment. But the, the point there is that there are times when you should invest in equipment. And I would tell you, uh, you know, for, for us, it was, that is never the first place to invest. The first place to invest is in growing your business, in um, advertising and marketing. It's in hiring people in the front end of your business. And then after you've stretched yourself and, and your installs are, in our case, you know, we're, we're selling and then we're coming along behind and installing. Once our installs are maxed out and we can't possibly keep up, then you add equipment that allows you to do the job more efficiently and faster. And then, you know, you can, you can scale up your fulfillment side. So in any business, I would just say the first place to invest isn't the fulfillment side. The first place to invest is the business generation side. You're generating more business. And after you've stretched that as far as you can before it breaks, that's when you come along and invest in the fulfillment side. Now, the flip side of that is we probably played the role of, of erring on the side of waiting too long. And this was probably a tool that we could have purchased or other tools. We could have purchased the dump trail was a perfect example of things that we probably should have purchased sooner, but we didn't. So there's, there is a right time to invest and there is a right time to invest in equipment. 
Um, I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't play the martyr and always do everything the hard way, but at the same time, make that a answer to a problem you have, make the investment in the fulfillment side an answer to, I can't keep up with the business or I need this in order to let my business get to the next level. Yeah. Um, we, we, we certainly played it right at the start. Mm -hmm. I don't have any doubt about that. And manpower is something we could provide ourselves somewhat for free. I know we cost ourselves money and you get it pretty cheap. And we invested our money to building the business, like you said, but we did resist that change as well to our own detriment. And we held ourselves back and we held back a little bit of what we were able to accomplish by getting stuck in that mindset and not adjusting. It's, you know, I'm jumping, jumping off script here, but it was a funny story. This was after we'd moved back to Ohio and we were still doing um, some installs here. And we had a project down in Lisbon, Ohio. It was for a playground um, for, for a facility down there. And Ken and Eric were involved in this. Eric's a good friend of ours. And they were going down ahead of us. And I heard them talking that they were going to go rent uh, a bobcat or a skid steer to move the gravel in. And I remember telling Ken, Ken, do not rent a skid steer. They said, that's a waste of money. We have the ability to get that in there. You know, there's four of us working hard. It shouldn't take us more than an hour, an hour and a half to get all that gravel into the place. Don't waste whatever it was, the $200 or $300 on the skid steer. We can do this ourselves. And um, they got a head start on us. When we got down there, I remember pulling in, and what did we see? We saw a skid steer. We saw a skid steer, and Ken and Eric, they looked like they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And I think their hope was that they could have rented it and got it done and got it out of there before we got down. Um, And I I was mad. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I told you knuckleheads. I didn't want a skid steer, and here you are. And they're like, well, it makes it quicker and all that. And the reality is? Probably did. They were right. Yeah. Now we had, uh, 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 I don't know, a fear of the using those tools because we had used them and we didn't know how to use them and we broke we sidewalks and stuff, we broke yeah. walls and we did things. And so that was a negative, but Eric was very well versed in that equipment. He knew, knew how to do it. And he was able to do probably in half an hour by himself, what it would have taken all four of us three hours to do. Yep. Why uh, not? Oh, go ahead. No, I'm, I was just going to say, so it, it's just kind of funny that we, you know, we were so, cause we were so in that mindset of taking every dollar we have and putting it into the marketing and promotion of the business or the people of the business that we really resisted the tools, um, so far to the point of our own detriment. There was just one other time I remember a discussion with Ken on investing on something on a job site. Oh boy, here we go. I don't know if you remember this or not. Cincinnati. I was in Cincinnati. I don't remember if Eric Cincinnati. was with us on that one or not, but I know. I know Rob Ken was. Ken and Jim and Rob. There was somebody else. It might have been Eric. And then you and me, and we were getting some drinks in the morning before we went to the job yeah. site. And Ken wanted to get ice. And you were so was adamant that that was such a waste of money to get. <laughs> and granted this, and guys, this is, I mean, this is 2008. Yeah. This is into the business a little bit, but we were still like, 
when you've gone with no money, you learn to live. It's like the, you know, and, and we've kind of fallen out of it a little bit lately, I think, but you, you talk to people that went through the great depression way back and right. They always pinched pennies, even when they didn't have to, there was a period of time where we probably had a little bit more money, but we were refusing to spend any and you did not want to wait. And I remember the discussion and your point was, look, if you buy ice, what are you going to put it in? You're going to have to get a cooler. And they're like, yeah, there's a styrofoam cooler for like five bucks. Uh, it was 16. <laughs> it was not $5. I remember it was like 15 or $16. Oh my goodness. But there was an all out. It was Dale a battle. Was just like, absolutely no. And, and honestly, I was on Dale's side. I was a little less vocal, but I did think it was wasteful. And some of that is because I don't drink icy cold water, but I didn't think we needed this, this new fancy like styrofoam cooler and the ice that goes with it. <laughs> and but sure enough, Ken just went in. He's like, "I'm just gonna buy it myself." And he got this cooler and this ice. And there was a little tension oh, in the air. I was, so I was I'm off not track. Happy. But it just reminded me when you were talking yeah. about the skids. Well, that's right. another thing we usually didn't invest in was food on a job site either. Yes, it's like when that's it was true. you and me, we didn't. There's no food. There was very often no drinks. We just go out and work. We had, we've made smartest. up for that lately. We invest yeah. in food now. We do invest in yeah, food. Yeah, I think, I think we pendulum swung back the other way. So I, I, to come back, when we were talking about, you know, when you are first getting started, there are places to invest your money, and you want to invest on the business generating side. Sometimes the, the cool places or the sexy oh, places yes. to invest your money are in it, things that, that make your, like, the that cool make you tools look like you, that like, make you look like you have a business. And and really, I, I think one of the things that, that we looked at is why are you investing in these things? Is this what you need to serve your customer? Or is this what to you give yourself to present, to an present image. like, hey, I'm the cool business owner. Yeah. I have this tool that is really just, great. And look at me. I'm a real business owner now. Or you, you could pick your industry. Yeah. The easy one to pick is a landscaper. If you're a landscaper, uh, the, the sexy, cool trap to fall into is the new shiny truck, the nice trailer, and the skid steer bobcat on the back that's new and, and really nice. And not that you shouldn't have nice things, guys, and not that that stuff's bad. And if you're a capitalized, fully capitalized business, you can get that. Great. Fantastic. Most small businesses are not fully capitalized. They are undercapitalized, and they leverage themselves on things that make them look cool or play the part. And they're starving the areas of their business where they really need that money to be invested. Right. If the choice is I'm going to spend this money on advertising and business generation or even people to hire people to help move the business forward, or I'm going to spend it on this tool that I'm only going to use on 10% of the projects. And, you know, a majority of the time it's going to sit in the garage. That's the wrong investment. You want to go on the other end. You want to build and stretch your business and invest in business development as much as you can, and then come back alongside and get the tools to help with fulfillment along the way. However, again, we probably did go we went, too far. We went too we far the other that. way. And, and, you know, we have that note here. There's this healthy, healthy tension of living in the middle, right? Don't, don't go out front and buy everything that just because it makes you look good and all this, and, and you're not investing in other parts of your business, but don't resist buying tools so long that you're holding yourself back. You're holding your business back. You're not able to grow and advance the way you should. And and you, you'll know it. You'll feel it. You'll feel that tension and follow it. Uh, I would probably always rather lag a little than be on the front end 
if I'm a developing business, yep. but don't lag too much. So, I mean, we're talking about this, this project, this hotel in Santa Fe that installed this <laughs> courtyard. It was a huge project for us. And, um, you know, we, it was a game changer in our mindset. And, and really there were, you know, really two key takeaways as we thought through this story. And, you know, the one, um, we just talked about was, you know, the investing in your equipment and when is the right time to invest. Um, and again, we're saying invest in growing your business and then fulfill. And the, the key question we had there was check yourself. Do you need the equipment to serve the customer or are you buying it for validation or because it, it feels good as the business owner to have that? And then the other takeaway was being willing to stretch yourself and sell more than your history shows that you yeah, this, I mean, this, we've done that over and over again and we've told the stories, but this job was a stretch. It was a stretch in uh, our mind of what was possible that we're using this, our turf for now a truly functional commercial space. Also a stretch that this was a high visibility, high profile job at that point in time. And we're stepping out and saying, let's do it. Right. Yeah. Let's go out and get it done. And it is so easy guys to live in your comfort zone, but you don't grow in your comfort zone. You don't. And Brian, I think when we were talking through this, you used the comment you need to be what uncomfortable in your comfort zone. Yeah. Get, or you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable being in. Yeah. I guess it could be both ways. Get if you're in your comfort zone, true. become uncomfortable and then become comfortable being uncomfortable, uncomfortable. being yes. in the uncomfortable area. Um, but that's where growth happens. That's where excitement happens. That's where you um, develop new things, where you, you separate yourself from others is stepping out into that uncomfort zone. <laughs> the uncomfort zone. I like that. <laughs> and yeah. we, we talked about, you know, stretching yourself with selling more than you've done. And, and I want to be careful. We're not saying over promise and under deliver, right? You have to be able to follow through. And hopefully your history is you can look back and say, in the past, I may not have ever done this thing before, but in the past I've stretched, I've, I've sold more than I've done in the past and I've been able to figure it out along the way. So now I'm in a place today where I can again take this new level I'm at and I can sell even more and do more. And again, I know I'm going to be able to stretch into it and grow into it. So don't overpromise and underdeliver. We want you to overpromise and then and over deliver. deliver. How yes. about that for a motto? We <laughs> overpromise and then overdeliver. That is a business success formula right there. And that's not to say that there's not. I mean, we we get the adage underpromise overdeliver and, and yes, we would always rather bring more to the table than what the people expect. Right. And the example you gave on that one was if if you've got a project and you think you can do it in 3 days, but you tell the customer, hey, we're going to plan on four to Let's five. On four to five. And then, then you, you get, get it done, done in three. three that's everybody's great. happy. That, and that is a great place to under-promise and then over-deliver. But when we're talking about the in the realm of what's possible. That's correct. Don't use this under-promise as, as an excuse to not do things that maybe you don't quite know how to do. That's the realm of over-promise and over-deliver. Yeah, I so I I think that's it for for um, this episode, guys. If if there are questions you have, we're always available. Um, you can post questions somewhere. Well, you can email us at podcast. At that's what they do. Email. You can also find us on social media at uh, Impact Without Limits on Instagram. 
And you can, the easiest way to do it, go to the show notes. Show Bethany, notes. Bethany that's the answer to everything. everything. It's like, there. if there's a question, the go answer the is show the show notes. notes. So do that. Check out the show notes. Guys, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let other people know how we're doing. That's how we build our audience. And hopefully how we build our impact. Go be people of impact. Have a good week. This is the Threads Army reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.